Welcome to the podcast today. This guy, I'm a bit confused whether he's an adventurer, an explorer, a restaurateur, a chef, or just a good old jailbird. James Viles, killer chef. I've got to tell you guys, we are in Sydney Harbour. James is not the type of guy who just does normal stuff. When I said, can you do a podcast with me? He said, yes, certainly. Let's do it whilst we go fishing. So we're sitting in beautiful Sydney Harbour, trying to catch a few fish, talking shop. You ready? James Viles, welcome to the podcast. James Viles by Oda. <laughs> G'day, oh. Graham. How are you, mate? Good, mate. Well, we are sitting here in the Sydney Harbour. We just had a little flick of the rods. Catch a few little fish if we can. Yeah. We can see the city. Yeah, it's pretty magic. It's a good and spot. What a great idea. So you can hear the lapping of the waves in the background. Now, but we're here to talk about you and your adventures. What's going on at Biota in Barrel right now? Right now? Yeah. We're is- closed. Right. Today. <laughs> That's why I'm with you. What day of the week is it? <laughs> it's a Wednesday. Right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, today's closed, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, we've just come out of a pretty nasty uh, bushfire season down there, so um, it's kind of all hands on deck trying to ramp ramp up again and get tourism into the region. And is that happening? I think so. I think, you know, the help of um, a lot of like-minded people in the region and, and a lot of people really passionate about our community. Yep. I think that's, um, that's what's going to have a big play in, um, in bringing people back to, the, back to the area. So a lot of people probably know about Biota, but probably, uh, there's a lot that probably don't as well. Tell us about Biota. Um, I set Biota up with my old man about um, probably nine, well it was, it was nine and a bit years ago. And uh, I'd been overseas for a long time, cooking in, in the Middle East and various other parts of the world and just wanted to do something a bit, bit more simple, focus on simplicity and, and a less is more approach and, mm. and I mean, get some, get some ingredients and, and some product from the place in which I grew up, yeah. basically. Uh, and that's how it all started. You know, I was sick of, sick of, um, look at the size of that crab there. Yeah, no, I just saw I've got it. the, the attention span of redhead stepchild, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, yeah, I guess the, the big thing is, um, you know, just to keep it simple and really use ingredients that were around us and, and stop importing things and stop chasing more. Yeah. So let's, um, so Biota, you can stay at Biota? You can, yeah. We've got uh, 12 rooms there yeah. on site. Just simple rooms. I mean, the whole idea around Biota was to be a restaurant first and foremost, yeah. and then um, have somewhere for people to uh, to stay. And it's right in the town of Barrel, isn't it? Yep, uh, right at the end of the main street yeah. on about two and a half acres. And you do those dinners up the hill there, where you took me when we yeah went yeah we do for... we do some dinners up the hill, and um, you know that's probably a um, more relaxed approach to Biota. Yeah. Would you would you call yourself uh, a chef or a Adventurer, holy shit, that was a lot of water. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> that tide coming in. Yeah, this shit's not expensive. <laughs> We're in trouble here. Keep an eye on that. Yeah. Um, um, I don't know. I kind of, I over the years, I've always loved. I grew up on a on a farm and I grew up outdoors. And over the years, I've really noticed that I kind of need that to get through. Yeah. Personally, I don't know. We all have something that that inspires us or that we need in life to 
to, to get us through each day and I've noticed that or come to realise that life is short and, uh, you know, it's important to focus on family and work and yourself. Yeah. I think that's a really nice thing to say. A lot of people sort of look at that and go, oh, you're selfish because, you know, I, I, there's a bit of me that every time I want to do something by myself, you know, it feels a little bit selfish. But I, yeah. I think if you can balance it out nicely, it's, well, a, it's I think a healthy it all, it all equates to, to something, you know. Yeah. If you're happy, then the people around you are happy, whether yeah. it be at work or at home. Yeah. Cool. And I think all the the good people that I've spoken to on these podcasts have a, have a similar philosophy about, you know, making sure they're doing something that they love. Yeah. So you won awards quite young. Yeah, you were like some youngest. Of, what was that award you won when you are like 22 or 23 or something? I don't know. Maybe they felt sorry for me out there in the bush. Um, but, yeah, it was, a they, you know, Rosemary Stanton um, sort of noticed what we were doing out there at the old schoolhouse at a young age and, um, we were using local rabbits that were from the from the um, from the local town there at Burrowang, and somebody had shot them at that time and brought them in, and we'd use them, make stuff with them, and a lot of local produce. And it was only because it was all close by. I, at that age, I had no idea that I didn't know any different. That's just how he cooked. Yeah. You know, like I didn't. There was no sort of oh, it's local or it's this, it's that. Yeah. It's just use so, it because it's there. So you've sort of been doing that for ten years. You're a little bit would I say ahead of the curb with you know doing that sort of thing yeah I think I think um you know we don't sort of go on and on about it too much it's just what we do like it's it's part of biota and biota is part of a community and uh we support that community at a young age you felt the urge to nick off overseas like a lot of people do where did you go first I went and did short stints in Asia um and uh Shanghai was a, a short time in Shanghai Hong Kong and then um, came back and, and did some stuff in Sydney and then went over to the Middle East for a long time. Tell me about Hong Kong. What happened there? Where were you working there? I worked at the um, uh, Intercontinental and I worked at, the, um, I worked at a, spoon, a, a Spoon by Elaine de Cass there for a little bit. So, um, you know, that was a, a really good opportunity and a good exercise into living away from home, I guess, at a young age. Um, and also learning a bit about a multicultural life, like from a, you know, from a, a young buck from Scone in New South Wales and and uh, and Barrel. Yeah. Hong Kong was, you know, a little bit different. A little huh? bit different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's good to get out of your out of your zone. So then you came back to Sydney. Did you work in Sydney before you went to the Middle East? Yep, I um, I worked at Jonah's in in Palm Beach, and also worked at a. A restaurant called Galileo back then. This is like we're talking what a twenty years ago now, twenty plus years ago. Mm. Um, and then I opened a restaurant for um, called Mint in Sydney as well. It was my first one I opened in Sydney. Uh, and from there, after that, I went to the Middle East. Why did you go to the Middle East? To be honest, I don't know. I got approached and asked if I wanted to um, open a few restaurants for, well, as part of a, a group which was owned by the Sheikh of Dubai. I didn't even know what a Sheikh was, to be honest. You thought it was a drink? I thought it was, yeah, I thought it was some sort of cocktail or something. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, I just I just said yes. I had nothing to lose. I yeah. was young. Um, and I went over there and it's a funny story because they flew me over there for an interview and I had to cook a, a degustation. I had to cook a deg menu and cook it for all of these um, 
all of these sort of executives that made the decisions. And I get, you know, I get out of the plane. They flew me over business class, which I thought was pretty, pretty all right. Never been business class before at that age. And got out of the car and big Audi A8 pulled up and somebody standing out the front of the thing in the sign and took me to the car and went down Shakeside Road at about 250 kilometres an hour and I'm texting my mum from the back seat of the car going, this is the shit. How old were you here? Oh, I was 20, uh, probably 22, yep. 23. And thinking, oh, this is, this is unreal, you know, like Dubai had sort of already roped me in with its fakeness. And um, I, I got out of the car and did my, did my degustation and did the dinner and they didn't tell me whether I got the job or not. They put me back on the plane. I hopped back on the plane and went home. A week later, we get a phone call saying, you've got the job, if you want it, you need to be over here within the next week. Um, they sent through the air tickets. The air tickets were economy. I didn't think much of it. It's like, oh, fuck, it's all right. No, I don't look at that kind of stuff at that age. Got out of the, got out of the, got out of the uh, plane, went to look for my name in the airport. There was nobody standing there. <laughs> And then I saw like a, a group of people with the um, company I was working for over there standing around. So I went and asked them and it was where I was meant to be. And they took me out and we all hopped in a minibus and went to the hotel. A little bit different, eh? A little bit different to, uh, to what I experienced to get the job. But what, I ended up What staying. hotel was that? That was um, Emirates Towers. Is so that the one that looks with a big sale sort of? Same company, yeah. Yeah, So yeah. Um, the Twin Towers in the, in the financial district. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so we spent, I spent five years over there and um, came back. Tell me of your adventures. You learned a bit about religion. and I learned a lot about religion. I spent some time in prison. Um, <laughs> that was I... one of my questions. Have you been in prison? <laughs> in this gonna... country or that country? <laughs> <laughs> so you've been in prison in the Middle East. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, twice. <laughs> Does mum know about that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, she does. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I... Uh, yeah, I, I remember doing a function over there and I asked um, Bob Geldof, you know, what, how is he enjoying Dubai? I was in my restaurant for something and he, he said, fucking hell, it, it makes Las Vegas look organic, doesn't it? You know, so, <laughs> <laughs> and it, that sort of hit it on the head, you know, it was um, sort of the catalyst, I guess, as to why it's in, probably important not to stay here, otherwise I'll get caught up in it all. So you got out of there pretty quickly, I remember you telling me ages ago. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I finished up there and um, I had an idea to come home. I wanted to do, like every young chef, their own restaurant, this dis, dis, disillusioned idea of opening your own restaurant, you know. And, I mean, I love every part of it, but I guess at a young age you don't think about all the nuts and bolts, you think about the dream. Mm. And the dream's very important and that's what gets you through. You landed on your feet pretty well then. You obviously had a plan, you and your family, your dad, and, and you've opened up that place and it just got award and accolade and, you know, everyone raved about what a great job and a fantastic weekend it was to get out there and experience the mm. local food and the foraging of the mushrooms, which is probably no forest left anymore. No, no, um, it's too dry. Yeah, but you really just launched and then what happened when did you like you must have been just adventuring around there how did you get the deal with Land Rover I don't know to be honest I think it just like like all things they just I don't know it just happens I don't know like I don't I think I think I've always thought that if you're just passionate about something and you really give it your best no matter what it is 
and you just dig your heels in and, and um, be true to who you are and what you like to do. And don't worry about what anyone else thinks. That's a really good statement. I think, I think too many people worry about what everyone else is thinking. Yeah, and they? I don't. Like, I, I, honestly, I couldn't give a rat's ass. I actually think that you're the most like that I know. I, I just couldn't. I just think, like, just have fun. Just do what you want to do. And people will get on the train with you if they want to. And if they don't want to, that's okay too. Mm. But the train's going to keep going. What's the, what's the biggest risk you've taken? Um... Probably uh, committing to my wife and family, <laughs> but I'll be home. <laughs> I guess that's one of the thing that the, that's one thing that's always in my mind is that, like any anybody, you know, I think that's one thing that's in their mind. But the biggest risk I've taken is is obviously my restaurant. Well, dad, dad and I have a restaurant together, and and I think that's always in my mind that um, it's. It's, um, you, ha- you can't measure success. Success, I, I don't know how to measure that. I don't even know if that exists. Mm. You know, success for me doesn't make any sense. I don't understand that word. Is that a daily thing? I think you, you got, we just, I just take each day as it comes yeah. and I tackle each day as it comes. And I never try and measure success. I um, evaluate risk with my old man and we, we probably have lost opportunities due to the amount of evaluation we do okay we talked about that in the car before tell me about you did the gig over in bali where i come and saw you we're going to talk about that that's the best story yeah um i mean we had a we had a um a project that we took on in bali that was great it was a it was a really good experience for me and one thing i learned out of it um not only as a cook but as a as a as a a business person is that um, there's an opportunity cost to everything that you accept. Every single thing you accept, there's an opportunity cost. Um, and that opportunity cost comes at a lot of different levels, where, whether it be financial, time, um, you know, um, forward projection of, um, of how people perceive, or, you know, um, reality versus perception. Missing of other opportunities because that was a big commitment for you. That was twenty trips in a couple of years to 20, Bali. Twenty trips in in two years. Yeah, yeah, one week at a time. So really, that's a ten day thing. Isn't yeah, it? if you're there for seven days, it's a yeah. And it was a big. It had a big impact on my family, and I think it had a big impact on my kitchen at work and yeah. my team. And I had a great team, and I have a great team, um, but it, it does impact everybody around you. Yeah. So that for me is the opportunity cost. Um, we had a good time when I met you over there. I think in true James Vile style, who doesn't answer his phone, I think everyone knows that. Yeah, um, I'm really sh- yeah, not <laughs> um, good on a phone. <laughs> we, we, but when you do, you come home good. We always have a great time. So I think I was texting you from the airport in Brisbane, and you were in the airport in Sydney, and we're both going to Bali. And in the morning, we you said, okay, meet at this cafe at five thirty. Bang, get a bike, and we'll be gone all day. Yeah, and so I like check i get there at 10 30 whatever go to my hotel get a motorbike bang wake up early next morning ride through bali my probably my first time riding anywhere pretty gnarly without my wife who guides me around everywhere and yeah and then i get there and there's one bloke he's all wet joel joel bigfoot <laughs> yeah he was there too that's right we had it he came over and did a dinner with us there as a guest chef and uh 
he, there's these drains, open drains that have just, I mean, they're carrying all kinds of paraphernalia. They've got like every single disease known to man running through these drains. I don't think you'd pay, you know, if someone said to you, I'll give you a hundred bucks, you put your foot in it, you'd probably hesitate. Oh, I don't know. You know, in current circumstances, I'd probably do it. But <laughs> I'd do it for twenty. But um, I think, um, I think, you know, it's he. He. It was early. It was still dark, and I was. I remember I was pointing out to to everyone, "What's going on across the road there in that building?" Yeah. Because the lights are on. Because you're waiting for me, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah. And Joel sort of stepped back and fallen into this drain. And he's closed he for the day. Head you deep. Know, head deep in this mud, like mud. Basically sewer. Swill. Yeah, it was sewer. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he he was on the nose for the whole day. I know. Wasn't uh, he? So there was about, what, six of us on yeah, bikes? Yeah, six somewhere. of us on bikes. Yeah. So we took off. He smells. Everyone was trying to put him at the back because you could smell him when you rode behind oh, him. Oh, he was crook. He took all of his clothes off. He put them in that thing underneath. He must have had, someone must have had the spare shirt or something. Yeah. We took off and we were right into these rice paddies and the sun was coming up and oh, he they was, were all swaying. And, oh, he was fermented by yeah. the end of the day. Oh, yeah. He it was, was like a garum on wheels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we headed up into the hills. We were riding forever, what it felt like for, you know, forever. But it was just beautiful the whole way through there. Bali is a great spot. Yeah. And we were with you guys who just knew the area and we found yeah. peanuts. Yeah, and we fresh green peanuts that we were picking so we're basically getting stuff for that dinner yeah and and that's how you you work over here as well you're forever finding cool stuff i think it's just i don't know i can't i don't do it because we have to i just do it because i need to Mm. personally i just need to feel a bit a bit of connection i just need to feel some excitement what i loved is uh and what they do over there we we drive along we stop suddenly and then we're picking golden echelots on the side of the road yeah and then we found that pepper tree. Yeah, the pepper tree, amazing. Then we went to the asparagus farm. Yeah, marigolds. You know, it was just, um, that, that to me was something that, I actually feel like it's something that you do regularly. Like you have ventures with the boys a lot. Yeah, we did it yesterday actually. Yeah. We went out and, you know, there was, I had no idea, but just out of Mossvale near Barrel, there's a, um, somebody's growing unreal corn everywhere. Yeah, right. Yeah. So now this week I'm going to try and find out who owns all that corn so we can start using it. So you just went and flogged some corn yesterday? Well, yeah, I, I had. I just did get bit. one late last night. I grabbed one piece <laughs> just to see if it was any good before we contact them. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So you were talking about your wife before and the pressure that that puts on, and you know, yeah. she unwillingly, as we talked about the other day, signed up, you know, for the lifestyle of James Bowles' wife. And um, I know that you were, you know, you you you, you say it. Yeah. You were, you were basically thanking her and saying how amazing she is yeah i mean we all have somebody who supports us in lots of in various different ways i have i have well we have two children um harriet and henry young boy and a young girl and um is she signed up for something i don't think she really knew what she was signing up for and Mm. she's been probably the biggest not not probably she is the biggest support that I've had mm. since day dot, no matter through thick or thin, you know, like, um, you know, I say I, I want to go away and do this trip or I want to go and do this and that. And she, she's a hundred percent behind me. There's never any, um, pull, pull back. There's never, you stay here and do this. There's no, she's 120% behind my happiness. That's awesome. It's, it's just, I don't think that's, I don't know if that's common. I don't think that exists. Uh, I don't think that's common, but I, I definitely feel like that's love. 
Yeah. But she must uh, be a strong woman and have a lot of self, you know, dependability. She doesn't... She's a very dependent woman. She's very intelligent. She's um, very... You know, she's, she's highly patient. She has, the amount of patience she has is... Uh, I can't. I, I have one day with my kids and I love them like no tomorrow and uh, hey, we'll listen to this when you're old okay so. yeah by the end of the by the end of the day i've got three new break three new gray hairs yeah, yeah whereas she just puts she just does what she needs to do yeah with ease well, you definitely need that support to, to go and to do anything who has had a big influence on you call them mentors if you want but who maybe it's your dad maybe it's a some chef somewhere like it might not even be a chef it might be someone who's taught you lifestyle stuff yeah I, I, um, it's a hard question, a mentor, because I reckon mentors change through life, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they change as you mature yep. um, in what you do. And I guess as a young age, it was always a chef. There was always mm. a chef, you know, like um, Mark Verant was always some, somebody who was a bit of a mentor for me um, in terms of um, that sort of foraging and, and, and cooking. Um, Tell people about him because not everyone probably he, knows. He'd love to go. He'd just go wandering. He'd go. He'd go walk about for for two or three days and come back with with produce to cook with. Um, not a not an extremely famous or well known celebrity sort of as you will that word which we all hate chef. But he, that's what he did, and mm. he did it because he loved it, and he did it because he got something out of it. Mm. I think that for the basis for my career, that was something I always I always um, loved. You know, all the all the other guys like Michel Bra and um, and and. Uh, you know, there's just so many chefs at a young age that I sort of looked at. Charlie Trotter, I cooked with Charlie Trotter when I was when I was younger. We did a dinner, and so he was somebody I kind of looked up to as well. Um, and now I think going forward, there is chefs in this country as well that I look up to. Pete Gilmore, I've always looked up to. Um, but uh, on the other scale and on the, up, on the upside of things, I really enjoy watching people that connect with nature and get out and about and um, get their hands dirty and um, it doesn't always have to be about food but it can be about things that could potentially be food <laughs> so I, um, I really get a lot out of that kind of thing you know like adventures through the Amazon or um, adventures through the you know the Tanami in, in this country. Have you done the Amazon? No I haven't I'd like to. I, I've been lucky enough to do a week or so there as yeah, you've got to do that. There's one man, there's one one gentleman that that particularly that I that I met um, a, about two years ago, um, who I who I love watching what he does, and I really enjoy what he stands for in life. And his name's um, Oliver White, and Oliver is a um, is a is a a fly fisherman um, that has a couple of lodges in the Bahamas, and he is probably one inspiration for me at the moment. Right. Yeah. We're sitting here in this beautiful Sydney Harbour, as I said before. Um, the plastic challenge. What's, what's going on with plastic? I ask this question in every podcast because I want to know what, you know, how we can, you know, help. What, what, what's your tips there? Um, plastic is, I mean, you know, you, you go everywhere now and there's no plastic straws, which I think is great. I think we need to do, we, in the, in, we need to do whatever we can going forward to reduce our footprint in many, many ways, but it needs to be realistic and measured. Um, uh, many years ago when, we, when Biota 
was really, well, it still is focused on sustainability. We're still doing the same things we did nine years ago. But I guess at, at that stage, we were one of the first to, to sort of tackle that. Um, and I remember sitting down with, um, with our PR company and we came up with a thing because I was not happy with the fact that everyone was talking about sustainability, but we didn't know what it was. And I think they helped, the, 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 the PR company helped us come up with this thing where it was like, you know, sustainability is um, not just a state of mind, it's an action. Mm. So we need to create actions um, and that's it. That's one good action, but it's always it's got to be followed through and it's got to be measured. Mm. God, that's a, that's a great answer. Probably one of the best I've had. Um, how important is having a beautiful little garden at the at the restaurant? How important is that for the chefs to, to get to know stuff? It's good. I mean, it gets us outside. It gets the fresh air, um, and the fresh air is important. I think for any any cook, mm. um, you know, they're cooped up inside all day. It's not healthy for anybody, whether mm. they're cooking or not cooking. Um, so the garden's good in that, that respect. That's always been our focus is that even though it's not a kitchen garden that can, that can supply our restaurant, and I don't think any kitchen garden can supply any restaurant, um, that's why we need people like you. Mm. But um, unfortunately, but uh, <laughs> I'm just teasing. Um, but I think um, the kitchen garden's good. It gets them outside. It gives them fresh air. Fresh air helps the brain cells work and they, they work better in the kitchen. Um, and the, on, on the upside of that, we can grow all the small stuff, chives, basil, you know, gen, you know small things, nasturtiums, all these little things. Who is an up-and-coming young gun in the game right now? Oh, oh. you know, there's, so, there's, there's a lot of young guys. I judge the appetite for excellence every year, and I see lots of, um, lots of really positive, good people. I love what... Um, I love what um, Alana's doing up at your neck of the woods. Yep. You know, she's, a, she's determined and she cares, yep. um, is, making, is making tasty food. She's got a nice little garden there. Yeah, and I think the, and, and you know, I remember judging Alana many, many years ago. Um, and so watching all this potential come through is, is, is really, really special. And I love what Matt Stone's doing. I love what Stoney's doing. I've always loved Stoney's gear. Yeah. Um, so he's, he's um, I don't know if he's that young, but he's, he's well, certainly... You uh, know, I, I was just going to say the same thing about Joe. I, I see her as Joe, such yeah. a mature chef with her, what she does, but she is actually quite young. She is, yeah. Yeah, so I think probably, Matt is too. I think, I think actually Alana, Matt and Joe are very similar. Age, I, I agree. And I think I, I really enjoy watching and and tasting what those guys are doing. Yeah, they are. They're very, uh, they're, they definitely and inspiration comes from yeah. lots of different people. Like those, you know... I'm inspired as a 41-year-old watching what those guys are doing. Mm. I think you probably um, obviously know that you're arrogant if you're not going to think you're going to learn of someone who's heaps younger than you. you yeah, know? of course. Of course. Yeah. Um, what, as a supplier, and I know that you do a lot of stuff yourself, like I said, but and I, what, what, what can we do better as suppliers to, to service kitchens? Like, what, what can we do for you guys? I think it, I don't know. I think you're doing it you, you give a shit mm. that's what suppliers can do better mm. is actually actually get in amongst the heads and the minds and the hearts mm. of who they're supplying mm. that's that's where it's at and then from there comes the things that these restaurants need to do what they need to do each day 
But first step is getting in their hearts and their heads and actually giving a shit. How important, and I know the answer to this really, and it's just a standard sort of question, but I don't think people totally get it, but seasons, like you've mm-hmm. got to work to seasons. Menus have to be able to be changed. And seasons change. Yeah. Every year, don't they? Yeah. Like, I mean, the season this year and last year is totally different to what it was four years ago. Mm. As you probably know, you yeah. see things coming through later or earlier. Definitely. Um, because of rainfall and weather conditions and climate change. Yeah. Um, these things all impact and you've got to be you've got to have your head in the game to and communicate with your suppliers or growers or whoever communications key eh? yeah so you know what's going on Mm. or even just know read the weather you know read the fact that we haven't had much rain so the blackberries are going to be a bit late this year yeah that takes a lot of years to understand and i mean and i think you being in touch with nature definitely you know helps you with all that a um, couple of questions. What is your favourite beer? I will be really open about this. Um, it depends where I am. So if I'm up in the in the north, we we drink it like it's water. Yep. Because you just it's just so hot, you just can't get through the day without half mm. a case. Mm. And so. Um, well, I find that a Great Northern goes down all right up in the top end. So I'm always going down Great Northerns. Yeah. And then if we're down south, when we did the trips for the new book, the second book. Oh, yeah, yeah, let's do that. So out. when we did the trips for that second book, that was 13,000 kilometres. So we found ourselves drinking Furfies down south. And then we got up to sort of like, when we got up to sort of um, South Australia and West Ends were going down a treat. So then it was just natural. We didn't actually go and say, oh, let's get a West End because we're in South Australia. But the old West End went down all right. And I think once we got to the top end, it was uh, Great Northerns. And then as we got down the coastal eastern seaboard, we hit the Bolters. And so we could have actually turned that into a bit of a a beer trip too, (laughs) even though it wasn't meant to be. So tell us about the three books. Three books? Two Uh, books. It's two books now. Yeah. Two Tell us, the, the first one is more about biota. The first and the one is place. biota, yeah. It's beautiful. It looks, it's, a, it's an amazing, just to look at the photography in that book. And the second one is... A journal. A journal. Yeah, the second one's Tell a journal. Tell us about that trip, how that happened. I, I just felt like it's time to um, put some pen to paper about this country and what inspires me about it, not just with its, you know... Um, you know, it's in a multicultural country. There's lots of different facets to this country that inspire me. And I felt it was time that I explored it properly on my own terms and, and wrote about it. So it's a, day, a daily journal um, that goes from Hobart to Cape York. Wow. Pretty just, much. Just that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> tell, so, us, tell us about some of the highs and lows of that trip. Um, because that is really, yeah. there's not a man who probably doesn't want to do that trip. Like... Yeah, and I mean, we need to turn it into like a, a money-making opportunity and a, an adventure. Yeah, probably didn't make as much money as you wanted to, but you know. Yeah, uh, some no, sort it's of a 300, 300 page journal, photographic and written. Um, and I guess we were living out of a car and sleeping under the stars and eating from the land every day. We didn't take any food with us. Um, we hunted and gathered and, and cooked what we found, um, whether it be abalone, crayfish, goat. Um, whatever, along mm. the way. Mud crabs up the top end, bar- barramundi, whatever. And, uh, and ate, ate from the boot of the car the whole way and slept in a swag in a tent the whole way. 
How good is goat? Yeah, unreal. And Underutilized, you reckon? I reckon it is. Yeah. What about and camel? Did you eat any camel? No, no. no that's a bit west of there, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it is. Um, that's this year. All right. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think the biggest thing I got out of that was, again, patience. You know, we were living at three of us, Ryan, um, and Ryan, who's the head chef, head of, chef Biota, of Biota, yeah. and um, and he was there for a little bit of it. And uh, sous chef came. They tag teamed each other. And nice. uh, <laughs> and. And Adam Gibson, the photographer. Adam Gibson um, does epic landscape photography and architectural photography. That's why we sort of picked him. It's not a food photographer. Yeah. Did, so you, it was a did diff- you take him to Tassie? Was that was it when you yeah. lived with Mark? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So he's a he's an epic photographer and a really good lad. Like you just learn about these people on the trip. And one of the biggest things to learn about for me was that it's not always my way. It's you've you've got to it's a give this give and give and take what's the biggest win you've had having a an unreal wife i think yeah <laughs> i don't know if you could call it a competition but <laughs> she's amazing and yeah. uh without her support and, and without her love and um and two beautiful kids life wouldn't be what it is wow it is really really important i think like i might have said this before hey but fish just jumping out in there yeah we're gonna get those yeah yeah we're gonna cast in a minute yeah uh i've got to ask you a couple of standard fruit questions what's your favorite fruit uh you know what we we're talking about it before probably persimmon yeah only because okay. they grow there's a lot of them growing where we are persimmon and fig if i can have two yeah you can have two yep and what, tell me, I remember you used to dry them on the roof or something? What was you yeah. doing there? Yeah, we used to get um, <laughs> we used to get tin and put them on the tin on the roof of the awning of the back of the garden shed out the back of the restaurant. Just dry them right out? Yeah. Yeah, I had netting over it. What did you do, like make vinegar out of it? What did you do at the end? No, I used to just get them really like a, like until they were concentrated, until the sugar used to concentrate in them and they'd be a bit jammy inside. Yep. And then take them off and use them like that. What's the best thing on the menu at Biota right now? Uh, right now, probably the, the the best thing on the menu is we do a um, we do a venison pastrami, and it's a dish that's taken out of the Cipriani in Venice, actually, which is you know Harry's Bar in Venice, and it's very traditional vitello tonato. But I we make our own pastrami out of the um, out of the venison leg, mm. and then uh, and then we make a sauce instead of using tuna, we use smoked eel. Wow, what a yeah. good play. Yeah. What's your favourite ingredient um, that you're finding around the land, like around the ocean points? What's what's your favourite ingredient? We ran over that purse lane before. Yeah, right here. Yeah. yeah. What, what's what's your what's your favourite little ingredient you find regularly? Um, Warrigal greens, if it's a, like a standard one. What are you doing with that? Are you cooking it? Yeah. Yeah. You can't eat it raw. Yeah? I don't like it raw. I, I like to saute it hard I, in a hot burn and burn a little I bit. I actually don't think it's good for your raw. No. Ah, I don't think you're meant to eat it raw. Yeah, I don't like it raw. I really do like it. Like any of those beach greens, I find they're better sautéed, mm. like in a hard, dry pan, yeah. and then throw a little bit of garlic oil in at the end or something. Um, and your favourite fish, the catch? Um, Is it the barramundi? Oh, it's got to be the barra. I've done, yeah. How I've many done of them Saratoga, I've done barra, I've done um, lots of different fish. Um, and for me, what I've caught is, is barramundi. Yeah. Yeah, nice. big bastards. I think I know, the, I think it's example, but uh, how do you... What's the? How do you inspire your whole team? Is it by just being inspiring yourself, or is it? I is think, it, um, yeah, I think involving them, yeah, making them feel like they're part of something, yeah, and not making them feel they are part of something. Yeah, they have, they have, don't need to be made to feel because yeah. 
naturally they should feel part of something. Yeah. And I think that's for me the biggest thing about um, them coming on board at Biota and being part of the family at Biota is is um, being part you know being part of it. What is the what are the values of Biota? Um, I guess the values of family. Yeah. Um, balance. Uh, and, and this wasn't always. Ooh. This is just probably in the last three or four years. Yeah. Um, and I guess as I've matured as well, uh, these things happen. But family, balance, um, do it right. Yep. And uh, make time. Mate, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. I know you're really hard to get onto. And if anyone has to call James, he doesn't answer. I know I said that earlier. I just want to reiterate that. <laughs> Such an ass. But he, he means well. He is a good man. And he does eventually get back to you. <laughs> James, I'm going to wrap this up because I want to go fishing with you. Yeah. And um, you're a good man. I want to just, yeah, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah. Thank you for, for being a good good guy. And thank you for being passionate about what you do. Oh, thank you for saying that. Yeah, and when are you opening in Sydney? Ah, yeah. Everyone says that. Uh, not for a while. Oh, damn it. I, I think I've got to create more balance, man. I've got to go fishing more with you. I've, yeah, just, well. I've just worked that out this morning. After we cast it out there this morning, you got a little nibble. Then uh, Nick was saying, come on, we've got to do this podcast. Oh, Hurry no, up. I was in and the I'm zone. Like, all of a sudden, I'm like, wait a minute. I don't want to do the podcast. I was in the zone now. Well, we might get nothing now, yeah. thanks to Nick. <laughs> damn you, Nick. Yeah. Damn you. <laughs> mate, thank you very much. No worries, mate. Thank you very much. Perfect. Thanks, Nick. Done. You see me get smashed? Yeah, on the rod. <laughs> I stood up there, took one photo, and the wave came and just it completely soaked me. It'll be the best photo ever, but. No fish today, but spending time with James on this beautiful harbour was absolutely fantastic. If you want to support the podcast, please subscribe or follow us on Instagram, suncoast underscore fresh. Thanks very much. See you next week.